Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out, what if the biggest soccer teams in Europe formed the Super League? Hey, how's it going, everyone? We know that recently there's been a lot of talk in the news about some shenanigans going on in Europe, specifically regarding European soccer and how some big teams wanted to do their own thing and form their own league. So our episode is going to center on that topic. And just so you know, we recorded this around October of 2020. Keep in mind that a lot of the information has changed, but Basically, most of the core details are the same as they were back then, as they were now revealed to be. But before that, we wanted to talk about some other super leagues that could form. What if some other leagues decided, hey, let's take our biggest teams and just break off from the leagues? So we each chose a different league or a different sport and picked a number of teams that we think would compose a super league in that sport. So I got college basketball. If tomorrow the biggest teams in college basketball said, we're going to break off and form our own league, what 16 teams would be in that new league? So my theories were based around two things. One is success and the other is location. So off the bat, I mean, number one, far and away, I don't know if I even need to say this, but a little school called the University of California, Los Angeles. Most NCAA championships in history, greatest coach in history, UNC right up there, Kentucky, Duke, the Blue Bloods, Kansas as well. So then we've got Michigan State, Ohio State. Then we've got Michigan, of course. A lot of Final Four appearances, some championships, heavy Big Ten representation. So we've got a lot of the Midwest. We've got some on the East Coast. We've got one on the West Coast. We need some in the Northeast, so I'm thinking Syracuse, a lot of success modern day. We also need some in the South, so I'm thinking Houston. They're the most successful team in terms of Final Four appearances from the South, which was a surprising fact to me. And then we need some Southwest teams, so Arizona, and then also UNLV, a lot of history there. We've got just about every region covered. We just need to fill out with some big names. I'm thinking Baylor with their recent win. We saw some teams in the European Soccer Super League who may not have had as much long-term history, but have some more modern-day success were included. And so I think Baylor's up there. And then I think Texas, huge program, got to be in there. Oklahoma, huge program, got to be in there. And then for the 16th spot, I was deciding between two teams, Gonzaga or Villanova. Gonzaga, because they've got more modern-day success but they still haven't won a championship. Villanova's won three championships, and we need a few more teams on the East Coast. So I'm thinking Villanova over Gonzaga. So those are my 16 teams. I'm going to pass it off to Michael. What do you think? What do I think, Jeet? I think if I'm a Northeastern kind of state and program, I'm not looking at you very fondly, my friend. We talking about our Georgetowns. UConn comes to mind as well. 
really like the Big East programs, like Villanova just made the cut. Gonzaga would probably be one of those that would slip in. I have a lot of respect for Oklahoma Cameron, but I'm not sure top 16 in basketball that I would throw them in there. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't have them on my list of top 16. So, yeah, I, I second with that there. UConn was a name that I forgot about, but that definitely very historic. Not as good recently, but your list was good. I, I did find it interesting. You had a couple of smaller teams on there. The way I kind of did it is I looked a lot at like the money components of my league, which I did college football, because a lot of the super league is about just bringing in the biggest clubs. It was interesting to see that you had some smaller teams on there, like UNLV, that don't necessarily make a ton of money. So I think the criteria that you use, you know, based on location and based on success, that's a solid thing. And that's how I use my list as well. But when we're talking about college, I also think maybe the size of the alumni network of these particular universities may play a role. I kind of did like a quick search of universities with the top alumni networks. And so like Penn State, Indiana University. That's yeah, Indiana, that's a big one, Eddie. Indiana was um, a traditional omission because Bobby Knight and John Wooden had some beef in the past. So I think if UCLA is involved, <laughs> I don't think they let Indiana in. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so that's the college basketball list. Eddie, I'd like to hear your list. Sure thing. So mine was on Major League Baseball. I chose this because, one, I don't know much about Major League Baseball, so I kind of thought it would be fun. And also just for my purpose, you know, just help me learn more about the league. You know, so forgive me for those people who are Major League Baseball enthusiasts if I insult you by not including a particular team or I include a particular team. I'm sorry in advance. In this Super League of Major League Baseball teams, I chose 10. And it was kind of the similar criteria that Cheat used, you know, based on success and based on location. So one, Los Angeles Dodgers, Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, the Phillies. Cardinals, Cubs, Astros, San Francisco Giants, Washington Nationals, and 10 Atlanta Braves. Those are the teams that I selected, large market cities, you know, in Los Angeles and Atlanta and Chicago. And also based on success with the Yankees, you know, they're the most successful team. They have the most World Series wins. That's kind of my rationale. What do you guys think? Were there any teams that narrowly missed the cut? Yes, I'd say the Mets. And the reason why is because I also kind of looked at the top franchises in terms of value. And the Mets are up there in the top 10. They're like fifth or sixth or something. I was kind of surprised to see that because in my understanding, the Mets are not that successful. I would have put them in probably because of that name, the New York Mets. I see. They're that known, like they're that... Yeah, I mean, a team from New York, fifth or fifth, fifth or fifth, fifth or sixth biggest <laughs> franchise. So, yeah, I also kind of thought about the A's. I think they're also one of the teams that are valuable, and I just like what's his name, Nolan Garcia Para. I think that's just the dopest name. I associate him and the A's, but uh, 
I feel confident in this particular list that I've formulated. It's pretty comprehensive. I maybe would substitute the Nationals slash Expos, mm. I guess you can say, for back in the day. Uh, I'm trying to think of who I would replace, though. Maybe the Reds? I consider the Reds, but correct me if I'm wrong. The Cardinals and the Reds, they have some beef, right? Yeah, always. Okay, yeah, that's probably the reason. I mean, I know I did include the Cubs, but they're from Chicago. And, like, Cincinnati, I mean... Yeah, the Midwest teams typically don't spend the most money, except for Chicago. The Reds, though, are interesting because they had an absolute dynasty back during the Great Red Machine, but not a lot of recent success in the past 20 years. But yeah, I like your list, Eddie. Solid list, Eddie. Michael, what you got? All right, so I did a top 10, international women's soccer. But really what their success has been in previous World Cups in the Olympics. So from this, when we think about the European Super League, we got a few teams that are, you know, the founding members. And I think that reigns true here. But I'll start from number 10. And these are in order. Australia just made the cut over France. Canada, our neighbors to the north. England, they've had a lot of success recently. Then we go to China. And then at this point, I think we then have our founding members. These are the teams that there's kind of like a divide. These top six teams have a little more success compared to the other ones. So I got to throw Brazil in there. You have to. Then it gets a little more Eurocentric, but we then go with Sweden. Then we flip to Japan. Then we get Norway. Germany at number two. We all know who number one is, the United States. So we got three teams from Europe as like the founding members in a way. United States, Brazil from South America, and Japan, of course, from Asia, so. Has Brazil won a Women's World Cup? They have not. There have only been, I think, either four or five countries that have, but I actually moved Brazil up decently in my rankings because they have done really well in the Olympics. Now, granted, they also have never won the Olympics, but they've always done really well. Runners up a few times. I would say that's the cutoff, like Brazil at number six to China at number seven. That's kind of the cutoff with the founding members. Could you explain the China selection? Yeah. The issue is with the World Cup, they finished runner-up once. They only finished top four one other time. And kind of similar to Brazil, but the difference between Brazil and China is that Brazil has done really well in the Olympics. China has not. They've only finished top four one time. Brazil's finished top four in the Olympics five times. But China did enough back in the 90s, 2000s to kind of keep them at number seven. I do like the representation that you have. Because if you had omitted China, then there would only be one Asian team in Japan. So I respect that inclusion. I think another thing that I was also considering is how well the clubs do in their club competition. Because like the France clubs, like Lyon especially, they have been tearing it up in the Champions League. But I, I do understand the omission of France in this list. Yeah, I had France in my list as of about nine minutes ago. <laughs> then I made the, the choice, you know, Australia, they've been picking up steam as of late as well. So trying to think of diversity, 
African nations haven't done particularly well. I think Nigeria is the only women's international team that have made a quarter. But hey, who knows? Maybe that changes in the coming World Cups. But it's a little more Eurocentric than I would still like. But I think you're going to find in all of our lists, though, that there's one section that's a little bit stronger than everywhere else. Like even in the Super League, how many teams were there from the Premier League? But MLB, the coasts are pretty strong. And then college basketball, same thing. East Coast is really strong, but it's the same in my list too. So perfect segue, Cameron. Let's, uh, let's hear your list. Yeah. So I did college football. Alabama obviously leads the charge in that historically and present day. And then right behind them is Clemson and Ohio State. Both of them as well have found themselves in the playoff basically every year. I think OU is kind of behind them too, because in success, they don't make the most money, but successfully they are definitely high on that list as well. In that list as well, you could throw Florida, Georgia, and LSU. Those are three big SEC teams. And then I included Texas A&M. They are not necessarily the most successful program, but even as close as one or two years ago, made the most money out of any college football program. Staying south as well, I included Texas. Not as successful recently, but you have to include them with how big they are. Going up north, I also included Michigan with Ohio State. I think you have to have those two as a pair. Last two teams, one would be Notre Dame. They make a ton of money. They have their own TV contract with NBC, so very historic program. And then Pac-12 hasn't been that strong, but talking about a team with a lot of history is USC. I decided to include them in there from the West Coast. And some pretty close ones. Uh, Auburn and Tennessee are two programs that are in the top 10 of highest paying programs. But I had to leave them out so we could get a little bit of diversity. We don't want it to be the whole SEC because you probably could make a Super League out of the whole SEC. And then Penn State from the Big Ten, Oregon from the Pac-12, and Florida State from the ACC, I all left out. It'd be quite the, quite the league, honestly. Like, I was looking at this list, I'm like, if there's 12, that's got to be it. But I'm curious, maybe this is more recency, but Stanford, thinking about out west, any thoughts there? They're, like, good, but they're not, like, one of the big top programs that I would, wouldn't put them on the same list as these teams, even USC. And USC, in my mind, barely made it in just really based on, like, their historic run in the 2000s and stuff like that. Yeah. I think I'd put Oregon ahead of Stanford. I like the list. I agree with Michael with the Stanford thing. I did think they should be included. And I think the reason I'm thinking in terms of money and influence, if you look at Ivy League schools, I know in sports, like in football, they're not that great. But Ivy League schools, their endowments, the alumni support that they receive, it's incredible. So if we're looking on the, on the money side of this, including an Ivy League school like a Stanford, that's like one of the better performing schools in, in sports. I think it would be important to include them for that, just to represent that particular segment. So who on that list would you replace them with them, like USC or maybe Michigan or something like that? Uh, no, Michigan, I don't think they can be touched. As a Michigan <laughs> State fan, how much it hurts me to say that, but probably USC. I can see that for sure. 
It's also interesting to think about whatever teams you pick will probably become bigger teams just by being in the league. So that's making me think that you just want the biggest populations. You want some teams representing big cities, like you want a New York team or you want an LA team. In college sports, like that doesn't apply as much to me. Like think about like Alabama is one of the biggest programs ever and they're in Alabama. Like there's no professional sports teams there. It's not the same, I think, as professional sports in that you go to the big populations. These big state schools, they pull in so much money. That's a good point. I think there is one program that, to what you just said, it's a big metropolitan area, like one of the biggest in the country, that had a lot of success back in the day, but not so much anymore. Miami? Yeah. Definitely on that outer list for sure. But it would be interesting to see because some of those teams I included in there aren't like super high on that list. Clemson actually is, I didn't see them in like the top 20 when I was like looking at most revenue in college football programs. And yet they've been one of the most dominant teams in college football the past, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah, if you're talking about money, yeah, Miami is definitely in there for sure. Good stuff, good stuff. So those are our lists. Let us know what you guys think. Of course, the only list that really matters is the European soccer list. Take a listen. Let us know what you think. Walla walla bing bang. Let's get into it. The European Super League which might be a reality. (laughs) It was claimed more than a dozen teams from England, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain were in negotiations to become founding members of a possible European Premier League backed by $6 billion of funding. The big six have been privately meeting for some time, so Man U, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Man City were active supporters of this proposal as well. So originally proposed in 1998, then re-proposed in 2009 by Real Madrid's president, Florentino Perez. And in 2009, Arsene Wenger predicted a Super League would become reality within 10 years. So he missed it by three years, it looks like. (laughs) It would be a replacement for the Champions League, where 18 teams in a round-robin system and post-league playoff-style knockout tournament, similar to major league sports competitions in the United States, such as the NFL, NBA, and MLS. Yes, what I've been asking for this whole time. First of all, what do you guys think about the possibility of there being a European Super League where biggest teams in each league leave their league and just form their own league? So it's like a Champions League year round. I've always thought the Champions League could be better just because you're playing midweek and you don't usually get all like the full teams. Like you don't get the best team playing the best team every week. So if they made it the one-time league, then you would be putting your best team forward every week. Soccer is a little bit different in that it's not an entity of just like the top 20 teams. It's also the 20 teams below that or the NFL or the MLB or NHL. It's just the teams that are there and that's it. So you said the Super League will be comprised of how many teams? 
18 teams total. So I'm guessing it'd be probably the big six in England, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico, then Bayern, Borussia Dortmund, PSG, Lyon, Marseille, maybe. Yeah, now we start getting to the... Oh, Italy, yeah, of course, yeah. AC Milan, Napoli, Lazio. Roma. Roma. There are a lot of Italian teams that could be in there. Yeah. Also, interestingly, so there are some other details. So it would be a promotion relegation system. So 34-game league followed by knockout stages. Founding members cannot be relegated for 20 years. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) What? That's ridiculous. That's stupid. So there would be a maximum of just six spaces per season for non-founding members to enter the Super League. So it sounds like there would be 12 founding members and then six non-founding members who can enter. So like at large. Yeah. And it would be depending on their season's play in their home country or how would they decide who gets in and who gets relegated? So the founding members will have qualified on the basis of the subjective criteria that they are currently a big club. So I think it's like invitation only at this point. (laughs) It sounds like something like a bunch of like middle schoolers put together for like a birthday party. (laughs) This is exactly what we did when we were in middle school playing FIFA tournaments. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they have to be a big club. So then the definition of big club, Leicester City deserves some credit. They won a Premier League title in this past decade. Like that should be something. If they're looking to expand it at some point, it should also include teams who have won the league title. But yeah, but if they still stick with this criteria of only inviting big clubs and they don't look at league titles, then what would be the criteria for a team that's not a big club now to be a big club? Do they have to do like the Man City way? Be bought out by some rich owner? Buy a bunch of big players? Like, is that the route that a team has to go through in order to be considered a big club? I've never been a, a big proponent of team, like leagues that don't have like some sort of financial balance, I guess. That's a huge thing in soccer right? Because there's no cap or anything like that. We see it here in America with football, especially a little bit of NBA and hockey, but like not very much in baseball, where that like you have to buy all your best players to be the best. For them to be like, no, you have to be a big club to get in. It's such like a gentleman's club type of thing. How many of those clubs in each country They have like their good years and they like deserve to be acknowledged as one of the best in Europe. And like they wouldn't get the opportunity because all those other guys are untouchable. I know you love Arsenal, Eddie, but like they haven't been the best, like a top six in the Premier League Mm -hmm. consistently over the past, you know, so like why would they get to be just chewed in as deserving, like as there's like other teams moving in and out of the top six. That kind of ticks me off a little bit. The rotating guest teams could change from year to year as a secondary competition would be set up to provide promotion and relegation to those rotating clubs. So it'd be like a second division league. (laughs) 
those guys are not playing like in the Premier League and in La Liga and League One and stuff? I think that seems to also be up in the air, but it's leaning towards, yes, they would no longer play in their domestic league. And they'd also no longer play in the Champions League. So let me give you this straight. Five or six teams that get invited to come and play because <laughs> they're cool enough. <laughs> so what if one of them like wins it? Say like Atletico, they win it or they are like top five or something like that. So like how many teams would they relegate to bring in open spots? Like if those guys outperform and then half the teams that are untouchable are on the bottom side of that group, then the overperforming teams would then be booted out for other teams to be brought in. Yeah, for at least the first 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Yeah, so you could have like a 10th place team get relegated. And the thing is, like, when you're putting together a group of teams like that that are really good, there's going to be, like, tiers of teams in there. I can't believe, like, they would take away Champions League and take away, like, their league competition. How much history is in, like, all these games, like the local rivalries, and you're just going to make up for it by just having a Super League? God, I hate it. And then you think about, like, the other big clubs. Like, okay, Milan... They're a big club, but have they finished, like, top four in the last, like, six years? No, I don't think they have. I don't think they made the Champions League. And then you think of, like, Ajax. You think of, like, the Russian teams. How about, like, Porto and the Portuguese teams? And, like, a team like Atalanta and, like, Leicester. This is a money grab. Money, money, money. The league itself sounds like a good idea, but them being, like, oh, we're untouchable for 20 years? That part I don't like. I think we are against this idea of, like, a Super League. Are we in agreement with that? I am not. Say what you're going to say, but I don't know if I'm going to continue. I wonder how people felt like in 1992 when the, you know, how they made that transition from like the English first division to Premier League. There weren't like necessarily a team change, but there was just the whole ideological change about how top division English football would be played and just how like a lot of things were changed in that whether it's like media deals or anything like that so I'm sure people were opposed to it because it was kind of like a reset you know because when people talk about Premier League they talk about from like 1992 onwards they kind of forget about like pre-1992 maybe people were opposed to that transition because it kind of erases a team's history so, like, back to this, like, I am naturally opposed to it. I mean, anytime there's change, there's going to be pushback for sure. I think that's kind of what the point you're making is, right, Eddie? Yeah. 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 Especially if you're leaving out, like, two-thirds of the Premier League and, like, 90% of all the other leagues. I mean, there's going to be pushback from all those guys because it's going to hurt their domestic leagues in that your biggest money leagues where most of your ratings come from are now going elsewhere. Those leagues are going to absolutely hate that. Mm -hmm. But like I said, like, I think the big thing to me is that it puts them in a tough situation because I know the reason why they say these 10 teams are untouchable is because can you imagine the greatest teams in Europe, not including like Man City has a bad year or Juventus has a bad year and they bring in like Roma like, can you imagine, like, a non-Cristiano Ronaldo Juventus team, like, not in the greatest competition in Europe? 
and playing like all these scrubs in Italy for an entire year and not having that second Super League. Part of me is like, it's a cool idea that you would see these, all these guys play against each other because you only get a snippet of that in the Champions League. And so it's like some of the potential games that you could have would be so much fun to watch. But then on the other side, like, you kind of lose the integrity of the league if the worst teams aren't punished. Gee, what is your opinion on this? I'm in favor of a European Super League. (laughs) (laughs) Here's my rationale. One, I'm a fan of one of the founding teams, so so I have no problem with Real Madrid not being relegated for 20 years. Two, I don't care about a game between Brighton and Southampton. I don't care about a game between Man United and Southampton, but I do care about a game between Man United and PSG. So if I saw Man United versus any non-elite team, I wouldn't watch it. But if I saw Man United versus Juventus on TV, I would watch it. Also, if I'm taking the perspective of these teams and not as a fan, these teams will benefit a lot from this because obviously they're going to make so much more money on television ratings. That's what the biggest draw of forming this league is. But also, in many ways, these teams are being dragged down by the lower tier teams in their leagues. Man United gets television money from those Southampton Brighton games, whereas they could be getting that money if they were in the Super League from a Real Madrid Arsenal game. So I'm thinking it's going to benefit these teams. It's going to benefit the fans of these teams. And I think that's a significant number of fans. Like a lot of people would watch these games. So I'm in favor. It would destroy the Premier League and a lot of these smaller teams. But I don't particularly pay attention to these smaller teams anyways. So for me, speaking as a heartless fan, that's not like a priority of mine. Gee, I'm going to be devil's advocate because I really want to be right here. (laughs) Real Madrid, this team of just incredible glory, incredible history, Champions League, La Liga, everything. They win one title in 20 years. How do you feel about that? European Super League title. It would make that title much more meaningful than winning La Liga every other year. How about La Liga in addition to the Champions League? Because there are so many different opportunities to win trophies. But like, if I'm a team like for Milan on the bus today, why not? Milan. I don't think they will compete in this league for foreseeable future. If I'm Milan, does this sound good to me? Losing these local rivalries in Serie A, maybe making a push towards Serie A, possibly, but even less likely of a chance to actually make a run and win a title in this European Super League. Like, what am I looking forward to? Like, a top nine finish? I get what you're saying, G. Like, it, it does make a lot of sense when you're talking about the best teams playing each other, but I just worry that three years down the road, like, you don't care about Manchester United versus Brighton or whoever. Are you going to care in three years when Man United, I'm just throwing out a team, has been the bottom six of this table for three years in a row, and they've lost all their funding and everything because they can't beat Real Madrid and Barcelona and Liverpool and PSG because they're good, but they're like just below it, right? And they're winning like four or five games maybe a year. They lose all their funding, they lose all their best players, and now you're talking about is this a situation where that team that can't compete but they're in the league for 20 years are now like the laughing stock of that league and you're not going to care about those games in four years I think that's a fair point 
but I think we already see that anyways. Like with Arsenal, no offense, Arsenal. You know, they haven't had success in the league or in the Champions League for many years, and they still get a lot of fans. They still have a lot of support. So even though they don't have a lot of success in any league that they're playing in, besides the Europa League and the FA Cup, they still have a lot of support from their fans, and they're still getting money, which is probably the key thing. That's what's making me think that even if there's a team that is at the bottom of this European Super League table, they're still at the bottom of an elite league. I'm concerned this actually happening. Like if some of these big clubs just like boycott, they say, we're not playing domestically. We're going to wait until we do this league. I know it's more concentrated, like the top, top clubs, but the Champions League is a Champions League. It's still like incredible, a lot of money. And it's like kind of made for the best clubs to go through. Like you have two legs in the knockout stages instead of say one, like in the World Cup. But you don't get, you know, the most random team making it to the Champions League final. It happens maybe to a quarter or a semi, but when you think about it, it's the big clubs. It's the best clubs anyway. You get some really random Champions League teams. They deserve it. They make it. Here's a question that's kind of related to that. How would this be different from American sports today? Like, don't American sports have this thing where a group of teams got together at some point in history and said, you know what, we're going to form our own league and we're not going to let anyone else in. And then decades later, those teams are still in that league. In 10 years, are we even going to remember what we had where we had these teams in a bunch of different leagues and that they were competing in the Champions League and all that? Or are we just going to get so used to this Super League like we have with the NFL and NBA that we just say, you know what, this is just how it is. You're right. That's exactly what's <laughs> exactly what they're doing. Gee, I think kind of to add to what you're saying, though, like I think the way American sports works, it works for the majority of everything. But then you get like the teams like your New York Jets or your Cleveland Browns, and they just suck every year. And they know that they're getting money. They're worth billions of dollars. And they just tank because they don't want to put the money forth to put that team together, right? When you create a league where the top teams aren't going to get relegated, you continue that way of thinking. Part of the reason why those leagues are so fun to watch is because they don't want to get relegated. So they continue to spend money to put together really good teams. What kind of incentive does that give the team as opposed to what the current system is now? That's one of the big things that I think European soccer does right is that they have the relegation system. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the big debate here is what is right versus what is profitable. This is definitely profitable, but from a pure, purest sporting meritocracy standard, it's not the best solution. If their main priority is to make money rather than to be the best team in the world, undeniably, then this is their best solution, I think. I agree with you there. I agree with you, Cameron, about, I didn't think of it that way, of how the need for teams to spend money because there's that always constant threat of relegation. And if there's no relegation, then teams will be more economical in their spending. That was a good point. Can I ask you a question, Eddie? What's up? I feel like Arsenal has also been a bit of a punching bag in today's scenario. But Arsenal's in this league. 
and they don't win the title any one of these 20 years, they don't even finish even in the top four. Like, they're always, like, five through 16, whatever. As a fan, would that be worth it for you? So if we don't win in 20 years, yeah. It, 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 would, it would be good for Arsenal. We can get, like, our main players that we want for the team. But if we're not winning as a fan, yeah, that's problematic. I will say this, though. If this does happen, imagine, like, the domestic cup. So, like, the Copa del Rey, the FA Cup. Like, when these big clubs come back from their massive European Super League, all high and mighty, and they play, like, a local rivalry, Fulham versus Chelsea or something in the FA Cup, and Fulham beats them, and then also just the hype around that game, like, how much hate Fulham would have for Chelsea, like, oh, look at these Chelsea snobs over here playing their little European Super League. I feel like the JV team beating the varsity team. <laughs> you really would. I do find pleasure in that, like the, the small guys rising up to knock out these big boys. Mm. Isn't it kind of weird on a somewhat unrelated note, even though America is such like a capitalist, hardcore capitalism country, American sports are basically communism, whereas European sports are super capitalist. Because American sports, like every NFL team shares revenues. There's a draft for the worst team in the league. So even if you finish last, you get the best player the next year. In Europe, if you're last, you're out of the league entirely. You lose millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> That's another what if. What if European soccer was set up like American sports and there was drafts every year? I could see that happening if there is a European Super League. Like the last place team gets to pick the best player from the rest of the world. Because if it is like the American leagues, then you wouldn't have one team have more money than any others. They would share it all equally. So then you couldn't have a Real Madrid really significantly outbid an Arsenal for a certain player because they'd have the same funds to draw from. Any other thoughts? I think it's inevitable because much like we've seen in American sports, they follow the money. So if I'm one of those teams, it's a no-brainer to do this if you're talking about the businessmen running these teams. What you said makes sense, G. You know, you want to watch the best teams play against each other every week. But I just think when you make those teams untouchable, that sucks to me. I feel like it'd be something that in five years, we'd all forget about this discussion ever happening. We'd all just take it for granted that, oh, who's playing, Man U or PSG tonight? Oh we'd be spoiled by it. I wonder if these teams are saying now that COVID happened and a lot of teams are struggling and even these big teams are struggling, we need to make all the money we can and protect ourselves from ever having to lose money on this scale ever again. This would be epic. A lot of good ways, a lot of bad ways. If this does happen, this would be the most monumentous like change in sports in a very long time, any sport. And the American media will not even cover it. I guarantee it. <laughs> you don't even lick of it on Sports Center. I'll tell you that. Can't even watch Champions League games now. Curse <laughs> <Yeah>, you, <right>. Peacock. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see how this goes. Watch this space. And until then, here we are. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. 
Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports. <laughs>